Beautiful humans, welcome to the Become Unlimited podcast. This is your host, Jonathan Perez. The purpose of the Become Unlimited podcast is to explore and equip you with the most effective tools and practices across topics such as nutrition, fitness, emotional and mental health, spirituality, relationships, and lifestyle design. As we dive into the episode today, I want to let you know that this will be the final episode in the first season of the podcast, and then we're going to move into season number two, where I will be shifting the approach a bit, where you'll be hearing a little bit more from me. You'll be hearing a little bit more solo casts where I come in and share with you some of my wisdom and perspective, and I will continue to bring on guests every once in a while. So it'll be a bit of a mix of me sharing, but also having some folks come on and share their wisdom and perspective and message. So just as a heads up, and you'll be seeing more episodes coming through. This one, probably every month or couple months or so, this was being released. So you'll be seeing a lot more episodes coming through after you listen to this episode. And whenever you're listening, maybe you're listening way after the release, and you'll see that there's a bunch more episodes available, obviously, after season one. So all that being said, Today, I have the privilege and pleasure to welcome Yolanda Boyerin, who is a money mindset and business coach for the driven entrepreneur ready to quantum leap. As a certified coach, hypnotherapist, and neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, she helps entrepreneurs make and manifest more money, sales, and massive success that leads them to be completely fulfilled and living within their purpose. She has over 10 years of experience in building multiple six and seven figure businesses and skyrocketing sales through the energetics of human design along and combined with sales psychology and marketing. She gets her clients results fast. So with that intro, I think you get a little bit of a glimpse as to why Yolanda was a, a great guest for me to have on the podcast because she is simply badass in the realm of generating and creating abundance through business, not only materially, of course, that's an output, but more so internally through the inner work and the mindset work of really becoming worthy of abundance. So that is really where we go in this conversation. We have some fun exploring what it means to overcome a lot of our beliefs around money Yolanda shares a lot about her background in terms of how she was able to overcome certain things to get her to where she is personally, but also to get her to a place to be able to support others in generating abundance in their life and in their business. So it's a fun one. We both share a little bit about our perspectives and then Yolanda shares some tips, tools, and practices that you can consider to begin to shift your perspective, but also perception around money to hopefully be able to begin to generate more of an experience of abundance in your own life. So I hope you enjoy it. We're going to dive right in and welcome Yolanda on to the show. Okay, Yolanda, welcome to the podcast. I've been excited to talk to you mainly because at the moment I've been working a lot around money and what it means to me and what are the, the limiting beliefs that I'm still carrying and am I worthy uh, of having a lot of money and it's never been part of my lineage and my family. And what does it really mean to build and create wealth? And 
personally, I've gone through a lot of layers because even when we think we've overcome something, as I'm sure you've experienced, <laughs> I see you nodding, there, there's, there's many layers to it, right? And there's so many ways to approach it. So a lot of the work that I see you doing is helping entrepreneurs and a lot of women overcome these blocks that seem to be self-imposed in a lot of ways. And I really do want to have a greater conversation around money. And to start off, I am curious to hear from you. What was your journey like when you started to work with your money mindset? And how did this begin for you? And then I have a couple of follow-ups to start to bring it out to the more higher level. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited. And of course, money is my favorite topic to talk about. So, I mean, you know, I'm here for it. So, okay. I want to start out with, you know, I come from a family where very much like you just um, stated for yourself, like money was kind of a taboo topic. You don't talk about it. Also, there wasn't a whole lot of people in my family doing well. In fact, there there weren't any examples of people doing well with money. It was always, you have to work very hard. Um, it was not uncommon for family members to have two and three jobs. I was four years old living with my mom, who was a single parent. And there were seven of us in a two bedroom place. Um, my mom, my sister, and I slept in one bedroom, my brother, his girlfriend, and his son slept in another And then I had a cousin that rented the couch for my mom. So it was very, very tight, very, very humble beginnings. And I just thought at that time, like, this is life. This is what's in the cards for me. I thought I had the mentality at that age that you were either born rich or like you had to be this like super special person to to have wealth, to build wealth, to make money. And I remember everything shifted for me. When I was about five, I went to the grocery store with my mom and we, we didn't have money for extras. Like I was always wearing hand-me-down clothes for my cousin that were like two to three times too big for me. And I went to the grocery store with my mom and I asked her for something that was a dollar. And she was like, I don't have money for that. And I remember hearing that so often and I got so frustrated and I told myself like, I'm going to be the girl that gets everything that she wants. and. For some reason, I don't know how I had that power at five years old to decide that. I don't know where that thought came from. I don't, I don't know anything. But from that point on, I started making my own money. I started selling my toys outside as a garage sale without a permit. <laughs> I started collecting um, aluminum cans and taking them to the recycle center. My grandmother would take me around the neighborhood and I'd collect them and I would just save my money. And then I was buying my own things. And so that's really where my, my money mindset shifted. And then of course, along the line, you know, you have so much conditioning and from, from your parents, from generations, from society to get rid of on thoughts about money, because everybody has a thought about money and everybody wants to project their thought, their thought about money onto you. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really where it all started for me. Yeah. So how old were you when you started to hustle like this? Four or five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My grandmother thought it was the weirdest thing. Like she told me, I don't remember this, but she told me like, I was so dedicated 
to yeah. finding cans to turn in for more money that I wanted to dive into dumpsters. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God you didn't let me do that. <laughs> I'm making my own money. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. But it's awesome. And and now it seems like you have a lot of wisdom around it because well, you can start to look back and be a victim. Like, oh my God, that happened to me. But now you see, just like I see in many ways, like, damn, I'm so grateful that I learned how that built me up to who I am today. But that's a journey to arrive there obviously. For sure. And the, the big piece that obviously you, you worked through were a lot of the, the beliefs, right? Because you're starting to, to talk about whether there were certain beliefs that were driving your actions and your thoughts, obviously. And I, I, I know that through your journey, you started to uncover the layers, like you're referring to the conditioned ways of being. And for all of those listening, obviously everyone is going to be in a different place with money. And I'm curious over the, the last many years of coaching and building your business and the different roles that you've played, what are the, the greater, more common conditioned beliefs that you see are instilled in society that don't necessarily serve us to create wealth or abundance? This is such a good question because I've been having so many conversations around this lately. The biggest one that I see, it's the most common, is that you have to work hard to earn money. And I think we do this because obviously this is what society says. And, and if you look at where we are now with technology and everything, like back in the day, people didn't have that many opportunities. It probably did take a lot more work back then than it does now to create the same amount of wealth. But people think that you have to hustle 24 seven in order for the money to keep coming in. One thing that I see all the time is that entrepreneurs are like, I'm sick or something happened in my family and I need to take off time and I'm worried my business is going to fail. And I'm like, all of the seeds that you've planted, everything that you've put in place, it doesn't just go away overnight. And I think that's mm -hmm. the thing that we don't feel supported by money. So we think it's going to abandon us. We have fear of abandonment with money. Yep. Yeah. So there's still an underlying here. So what I hear you saying is this, this piece of systems well, and at some level, because you're saying if you're an entrepreneur, you're working hard, or you've been doing a certain thing to build up wealth or some sort of, of money system that when we get sick or we know we need to take a day off, that sometimes we might feel, well, no, I can't, because if I do, then everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if you think back, we have so many sayings of money doesn't grow on trees. It's easy to lose a dollar, hard to make it, save for a rainy day. Like it prepares us for the worst with money. And so we're always expecting the worst. And I believe that we get what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that starts to connect into, it seems like a lot of the way that you put things from the manifestation side is if that's what your thoughts are around, they're fear-based, then yeah, sure, you're going to create that reality as well. Yeah. And we can go deep down the manifestation rabbit hole too. <laughs> yeah. So, and when it comes to then those those beliefs, so let's dig a little bit further into what's there because you're saying, well, there's a certain underlying fear that if I don't keep working hard, that I might lose that. And again, looking at it from the greater understanding or perspective, where do you feel that that comes from? Okay. So 
I actually just had this conversation this weekend and people looked at me like I was crazy until I started explaining it. Everything goes back to our childhood. Everything goes back to our relationship with our mom and dad. And I'm not just talking about the stories that your parents felt around money. Like if money was tight in your family, it doesn't, I mean, it goes so much further beyond that. It goes back to, this is the best way to explain it. From age zero to seven, your brain is looking for its belief system. So it's literally grabbing a hold of everything. Now, let's just say at this age, you of course don't have the knowledge to process things as you would as an adult. So let's say you're five years old, you're in a school play and the curtain goes up and you're looking for your parents in the audience and they're not there. Your brain subconsciously, even though you may not consciously think this subconsciously, your brain is like, I'm not good enough. And that's why my parents aren't here. But who knows? Maybe your parents got caught in traffic. Maybe they got into a wreck. Maybe there was an emergency. They had to pick someone else up. We don't know the the story. And so as we get older, we have the knowledge to say, oh, I realized that had nothing to do with me. But the energy that your body processed and held onto at that time, you know, we think of trauma as some big, huge event, but the body can literally process anything as trauma. And so that energy stays in your body. And then it also forms your belief system. Unconsciously, it forms your belief system. So then you're operating through life from this story of I'm not good enough. And then we find evidence. Anytime I work with a client on their money story, we find evidence of how it showed up with their parents. We find evidence of how it showed up in their friendships, how it shows up in their relationships, how it shows up with their children, how it shows up with their money. Like it's a pattern. And so what we have to do is we have to release that energy, release that belief system and begin to find evidence where you are good enough. You are worthy. You are supported. And I think because as children, we were taught to obey, we were taught to obey our parents. We were taught not to question authority. We were taught that our teachers know best. Like we were taught to obey when we ask someone to believe in themselves and have some self-worth and some you know, just, yes, I'm good enough. We don't realize how hard that is for people to do because our whole lives we've been taught that our thoughts are not good enough, that somebody else has a better decision for us. So then zero to seven, it sounds like you're saying if we want to figure out where a lot of our current beliefs and thoughts are coming from, that a lot of good signs are going to be to reflect back on what were we exposed to from our parents or whoever our caretakers were or our life situation between zero and seven, because that's where we're getting implanted with what do we believe about life or what does life mean? And you're saying that before our, yeah, the words that come to my mind are before our analytical capabilities are in place where we're just intaking everything, which is you're saying zero to seven. Right. And so it's not just, again, it's not just what you were exposed to as a child of like your parents' beliefs and things, but it's also what you believed you received and what you were, what you believed that you were worthy of from your parents. So, you know, if you had, I mean, even people who have perfect parents, like I come out of sessions with them and they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that when my mom did this or when my dad did this, it's like stupid situations that they never thought twice of but we start digging deep into the psyche and then they realize, oh my God, this thing came up 
And I remember my mom yelling at me this day, or I remember this happening this day. And it's like, we process that as I'm not good enough. And so it it really goes back to, yes, what we were exposed to, but also what you believe you're worthy of. So what you, what do you make it mean as well? Because yeah, you can be exposed to anything, but like you said, if you make it mean a certain thing, then it ends up becoming that ongoing pattern, even you know, from seven years old, if you're 40 now, if you're still believing that, because that's what you believed subconsciously when you were seven, then it's still playing out in your life. Right. And we don't realize it's like the friend that you, I'm sure you've had the friend. Well, I don't know. You're a guy, maybe. <laughs> I know I've had friends where, you know, they're like telling me about this guy they're dating. And I'm like, girl, you need to leave. Like that is red everywhere. Like, please leave. And then she makes excuses for him. And, and then, you know, months down the line, they break up. And then she's like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Like, this was a horrible guy. We were not a good match. And it's because when you're in the thick of it, you can't see it for what it is right? Like you're seeing it from a very limited perspective versus people from the outside looking in are seeing an entire picture. And so that's the same thing with our money story, with our belief system about ourselves. It's like, we have a very limited perspective. So we don't even see Mm. the BS stories that we're telling ourselves. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we're building a picture now because if I bring that back to Let's just say if I'm seven, right? And I see my dad struggling and because we're struggling with money, I see that he then goes work really, really hard to bring in another paycheck. Then I might make up the story that when there is no money, I have to work really, 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 really hard. And therefore, now that I'm going on with my life, that's what I subconsciously believe it takes to make X amount of money until I question that belief. Right. One thousand percent. And I want you running in my head. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to think about all the people that you do know that hustle their butts off. And I want you to think of like the people that you do know with multiple jobs or like all of these things. And I want you to think of what is the extent that they've gotten to themselves because hard work will only get you so far. I do believe in the practical, like you said at the beginning of this is like, I'm not someone who's like, sit on the couch and manifest money. Like it doesn't work that way. Like there's a practical side. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think for people like that all the time, I'm like, I am not the coach for you. Um, So there is a practical piece, but there's only so much that hard work is going to get you. There comes a point where you have to leverage things. And your mindset and your confidence and your belief and your, like, if you think about very successful people, they seemed very impractical in the beginning. You know, people probably laughed at them of like, oh, you want, you think you're going to do that. You think you want to do that. Um, But it's the people who are working their butts off who are still in the same place because that only gets you so far. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I'm curious to hear your perspective and we can riff a little bit because how would you blend in the, there's a certain aspect of spirituality that comes in because when we talk about manifestation and law of attraction and all of that, I think when we talk about practical and strategic uh, perspective of, okay, we're not saying it doesn't take hard work, but there's, there's more to it. 
So when we talk about the quote unquote, there's more to it, right? Your thoughts and your beliefs and what you're calling in through your thoughts and your beliefs. How would you explain that or blend that in with the truth that action does need to be taken in your life to create what you want? Yeah, I love this question um, because, and I'm going to get into it, but what I see is that people are either, and, and I'm a very spiritual person, but I feel like people are either too into the spirituality and they're forgetting the practical or they're too practical and they have no spirituality or no belief in energy. And so one of the very first things that I do with people, I should have told you to bring this to our call, but now thinking about it, one of the very first things that I do with people when I'm on a call with them is I do a pendulum exercise. And basically I tell them to take a pendulum and you can use like a chain with a with a charm at the bottom of it. I have them draw like a big circle on the paper, put a dot in the middle. And then I have them sit there with their arm with the chain hanging over the dot. And I tell them, don't move your hands. Don't do anything. Focus on the charm and imagine it moving in a circle clockwise. And then all of a sudden it starts moving. And then I'll tell them, imagine it stopping at the dot. And then I tell them the opposite way. And then we go back and forth and then side to side. And they're blown away. They're like, how did this happen? How did this move without me moving it? And it is you moving it. It's your thoughts moving it. So everything in this world is energy and your thoughts are also energy. And so if your thoughts can create that, I want you to think of the thoughts that you're putting out into the world on a daily basis with the action that you're showing up with, right? So I can sit on my couch all day long and say, I want to manifest the lottery. But if I don't go buy a lottery ticket, then I can't manifest the lottery. So it takes both. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and that's a powerful exercise. And that example of the lottery is a powerful one too. I often have used the example of of a book, right? Where people have this vision of writing a book just like I do. And you can sit down on the couch and envision all the things that you want to put in the book and that you want to say, but the book's not going to write itself. You have to get your ass on the computer or wherever and start to write. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. So good. I love that. I use the lottery because um, I share the story about my uncle manifesting the lottery. So I have all of those people coming to me that are like, just tell me what he did. And I'm like, oh my God, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> since we're on the topic of the, the spiritual aspect and Whoever listening might might have some resistance to this, like I did at some level. The the shift into understanding who we are as beings that are connected to vibration, frequency, and energy takes some knowledge and introspection to really understand what that actually means, right? So, you know, for anyone listening, I would encourage you to find resources to go deeper in that because sometimes you might hear that for the first time and you're like, what the hell do you mean my thoughts change my reality? And it can be kind of freaky <laughs> at first. So I just wanted to, to come in with that disclaimer too, because I was there once. I was super on the practical side of being like, my thoughts? No, I take action in my life and I make shit happen, which yeah. yes. And you can only go so far with that, right? So Dr. Joe Dispenza says that's, that's like the matter to matter way, if you will. And then... If we go deeper into the, the manifestation piece, how do you start people in that 
realm of discussion. So let's just say you have some client that has come into you who is the super practical, has, you know, not really much interest, like they're curious, but they've never really worked with the, the energy side of things. How do you mold them into that realm, if you will? I do what's called energy experiments. And so, um, your reticular activating system in your brain is responsible for many different things. But one of the biggest things that it's responsible for is um, identifying what's important to you and bringing evidence of that. And so it's kind of, I'm sure you've heard like people use the example of like, if you go out and you buy a car and it's like, after you buy the car, you see everybody driving that car. And it's not that everybody went out and purchased that car the same weekend that you did. It's that now your brain has processed. This is important. And so we're going to find evidence of more of these vehicles, right? Because now it stands out to you. And so what we're doing is we're working with the brain to program of finding evidence of what's important. So I start out with something simple and it's so funny because now I get people who like random DMs. I don't, I don't even know these people. And they're like, I saw a purple car and I saw a yellow butterfly. And it's like, I start out with something that you're not attached to because especially I work with entrepreneurs. If you're attached to finding clients and making money and all of that, there's a resistance there. So it's a little bit harder for it to come as quick as we want it to. So um, what I do is I'll say, pick something random that it doesn't matter. It's not going to change your life, whether it comes or not. And usually I tell people, start out with a purple car or start out with a yellow butterfly, set the intention that you're going to see it in 24 to 48 hours. And then when you do, DM me. And this is when I'm working with a client. And the next thing I know, they're DMing me and they're like, oh my God, it was right there. And it's not that, you know, you, I mean, yes, you manifested these things, but it's your brain finding evidence of what's important to you. Whereas before you wouldn't have paid attention to the purple car or the yellow, yellow butterfly. And so once we start building that, we start building, building your belief system in you and the power of the mind. And once we can do that, then we can start building it into more clients coming your way, more money coming your way. And then we build, um, like, especially when it comes to a money mindset, we have to feel supported by money and most people don't. And that's why there's a resistance to it. And so once we can build this belief system in these little things, the bigger things get easier for us to find evidence of and then receive. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Well, and there's there's so many different ways, but what I hear you saying is, you help them do experiments, especially of things that they're not quote unquote attached to, because then you're almost trying to force it. But then when you set your intention and you just see it come up, you see that through your intention, you actually created it. Mm -hmm. And little by little, you begin to believe that it's possible. And then we, you likely go to higher levels of creation at that point. Right. That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) It is, especially for my newbies. Because they're like, oh my God, you just opened up this world to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, I'm curious to hear, you know, we've we've gone through a couple of different uh, areas and we talked a little bit about how we can begin to look at what our childhood, what our childhood experiences were and what might we have made those mean into shaping some of our beliefs today. And two things I want to get to is one, if you were to narrow down some of the from two shifts that you had, and then also we can go into, you know, maybe the 
top three to five things that you would encourage someone to do if they're wanting to overcome some of their money, quote unquote, blocks, if you will. But let's yeah. start at the, at, for you personally, if you have to narrow down the from to mindset shifts that you've had, like I used to believe this about money and now I believe this that have created what you have today. Yeah. Um, so one of the very first things that I was conditioned with as a child, my mom, she meant well, but it really was something that I had to let go of. I am obviously female. I'm Mexican. And so my mom, I remember when I was like four, maybe five years old, my mom told me, Yolanda, you came into this world with two strikes against you. One, you're Mexican, two, you're female. And she used to tell me how I was going to have to work much harder than anyone else to prove my value and my worth. And that came with a lot of force, that came with a lot of hustle, that came with a lot of yeah, I'm going to work my ass off. And I did that in real estate, but it also came with a lot of resistance of, again, kind of what we were talking about of, I can only reach so far pushing, forcing, hustling, working 10 to 12 hour days, proving my worth. And and there is a resistance in the sense that, that people feel that they feel like, oh, this person has something to prove. So I had to trust and, and reprogram my subconscious to believe that no matter who I am, what I look like, you know, what I came into this world as that I was just as worthy of money as, as the person next to me. And it had nothing to do with my gender, my race, my, my features, any of that, that I had value to bring. And then I had to reprogram the whole belief system of it takes hard work to make money because now I know Okay, if I need to take a week off, the money doesn't have to stop coming in. In fact, recently, last week, I was sick and I posted a picture of my PayPal notifications, thousands of dollars coming in, and I didn't show up one day last week. And people were like, wow. And I said, for those of you that believe it takes hard work, I've laid in bed this whole week and this is my week. And, you know, it's, it's, finding evidence of that and really starting to lean into that belief versus fighting it because you think it's crazy, as crazy as it may sound. So those were the two biggest things that I think I had to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. I can resonate a lot. I'm also Mexican and the the female one is a big one that uh, is added on. Right. And it's still very big in our society. And I can see how a lot of women are overcoming it today, but a lot of women also are still limited by that subconsciously. Like you're saying, well, I'm a woman, so I can never make X amount of money, or I'm a woman, so I can never have this job or this house or this role or whatever it might be. Yeah. I think, you know, even from other women, like my husband, I mean, my husband makes great money. He makes, you know, six figures. I, I make a lot more than him, but we were recently going on vacation to the Maldives and our, um, what do you call that? The the vacation planner, uh, travel agent. I was communicating back and forth with her and she was like, well, what does Yuri think about this? Well, does Yuri approve this? And I'm like, well, when Yuri is paying the bill, we can get his opinion on this. (laughs) 
I'm like, I'm the one communicating with you. I'm the one doing all of this. Why are you asking me this? And we're very much a team. So it's not like that at all. But, you know, it very much frustrated me of like, why, why does, why does this need his approval? Why do you need to know what he thinks about this? So, yeah, I think as women, we also put that upon each other. Yeah. So you can see it in that interaction where the underlying belief is still, oh, we can't make these big decisions if we don't have a man's approval or a man saying that it's okay because the man is the breadwinner. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So man, if you're listening to this, you know, you know <laughs> what the deal is. And honestly, I've known to see like women in general kick ass. Like even, even it's, I forgot where I heard of this, but even when it comes to the, the IQ test and all the types of testing, like women actually tend to perform better than men, which is fascinating to me. And it's no question. And we can talk about other areas too. And it's said like in the spiritual realm too, women are much closer to God, if you will, than, than men are because of certain factors, but that's for another podcast episode. <laughs> Yeah, you said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, and, and I've, I've learned um, my fair share in that realm. So, yeah, very grateful to how you explore those those pieces. And, yeah, historically, too, we can see how it's been super conditioned into um, our society. And, and that's just one example, right? Like you said, going back to you might have heard of that at a very young age and you made it mean a certain thing and then growing up we grow up with that subconscious or unconscious belief that, well, I'm a woman, so I'm not even going to apply for that job because why? I'm not even going to get it. Yeah. You know, when I was in my twenties, um, because I had my son at 17, my husband and I have been together since I was 16, he was 18. Um, so when I was in my twenties, I was raising my son and also going to school full time. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to find part-time work. And I remember, you know, my husband's made great money for quite a while. I remember my mom even looking at me and saying, Yolanda, why do you want to work so hard? Your husband makes great money. And I'm like, what? Why does that matter? Why is that a determining factor in what I want to achieve in my life? That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. There's a lot there. And yeah. there's also the... I think they've they've called it different things, but like the Disney the Disney dream also, right? That the the boy or the 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 man comes and saves the woman, and the woman never has to do anything. But usually, there's some underlying thing that the woman wants to create or dream up in her life. But nope, that's not the path. That's not the path because she's meant to be saved by the man and live the housewife and be supported, etc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, for another podcast episode, we're diverting a bit. <laughs> so let's come back to the money, which in the end is all connected, as we know. For anyone listening, then we've talked a lot about some of the beliefs that might be underlying. And yeah, the big invitation that's come up for me right now is for anyone listening that you just take a moment to think about what might have you seen or experienced as a child? And what do you feel you have made that mean for you is something that that's coming to me now. And Yolanda, I'd love if you can consolidate your tips. And this can be from three to five or more, whatever comes to mind for you. If someone's coming to you, let's just say on the street and it's like, hey, you're the man manifest mad money woman. What are the top three to five things you can tell me right now that would help my life and remove some blocks around money that can help me immediately? Yeah. So the very first one is going to be very spiritual, very deep. It's 
it is taking a look back and, and trying to realize how your pattern has flown from your relationship with your parents to significant others to, you know, how you show up with money. Once you can identify that pattern, I, I always do, for those of you that know, know the um, prayer Ho'oponopono, it's a forgiveness prayer. I have my clients do that um, around their parents and then around themselves. Because here's the thing, we have to forgive ourselves for all of the past mistakes, because if not, that's also a block. So that's the first step. We have to make space for what we want to bring in. Second step is so many people are avoiding money conversations, looking at their bank account, interacting with their money. And you really have to know the starting point of where you are in order to identify, okay, I've been doing this with my money. Now I want to start doing this and start delegating that into a place. And the third thing is that people who have a huge money mindset issue or money blocks, oh my God, they always think that they are going to save their way to wealth. (laughs) And I just have to laugh so hard at this because I have never met a wealthy person. I have several friends that are multimillionaires and they've never saved their way to multimillions. (laughs) So you have to stop being scared of your money and stop thinking that if you just save every little penny, then it's going to get you further. You have to invest. You have to learn to leverage your money and put your money to work with you. And putting your money to work for you is going to require you to feel comfortable in letting it go to know that it's going to grow. But I think that's where a lot of people stop themselves is they're like, no, I can't buy this course. I can't hire this coach. I can't buy this house. I can't invest here because I need to save this for a rainy day, or I have this coming up or I have that. And I want you to think of all of the times you've told yourself, I'm going to save this money. And then it goes down the drain when you go to target and you spend $200 when you wanted one thing, or you go to Costco and you spend $500 on stupid stuff. Like I want you to think of all of the things that you've purchased that are not giving you a return on investment. And what would change if you actually started asking yourself, what is the return I'm going to get with this purchase? Yeah. Wow. What came to mind is, do you control your money or does your money control you? Uh, Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I love all that. And it's not easy. You know, everything you've mentioned is is the exact things that I've been working on. So I appreciate you um, sharing the, the tips and it's a journey right? And I'm sure you've worked with many clients. The amount of time it takes is very different, obviously, but it is a journey. And a lot of folks that I've met and similar to my path has included a a level of transforming or awakening through money is one way to look at it too. That when you, when you face it, it's, it's a whole different vibe. And I love what you said also about the, the being willing to open your bank account, just look at it. That's something that I've had to train myself to, okay, whatever it is, you know, if I have some debt here, some cash here, some things here to open it up and face it and train my nervous system to realize that I am safe, even though I'm looking at these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we're more abundant than we realize this. I, I forgot this. This is probably a really good tip. I have clients do an abundance journal. 
And so it's like, anytime you have a payment come in, in any form, Mm -hmm. you write it down in your journal. So plus X amount. So if somebody bought you a free coffee, that's $5 that you didn't have to spend. So plus $5, if you, you know, received a payment from a course that you sold plus whatever dollars, like you don't want to take away money. So you don't want to do the minus, but when you start looking back at your month and you realize, oh, this came in this day, this came in this day. Like you really start realizing I'm more abundant than I think I am. It's just in the way that I'm viewing my money and also spending my money that it may be taking away from that thought. Yeah, that's a big one. And, and briefly, maybe you can speak to the, the worthiness part because I think that connects a lot to it, right? When you start to realize you are more abundant, what would you have to say around feeling worthy of having more money as it starts to come in? So most people have some sort of guilt that is conditioned in them from, you know, who will I be if I have more money? You know, does it make me greedy? Um, Am I capable of holding on to it? Am I capable of making more? Um, And that's just going to go back into building that belief in yourself of realizing money is survival for us. And we're always looking for, for survival. So we do the same thing with food. Am I going to have enough food for tomorrow? Am I going to, you know? And so once we can realize I am always figuring it out. Like if you look at your track record, when things go to shit, you always figure it out. Even when things are like at their worst, you always find a way. Otherwise you wouldn't be here today. And so I, like going in with the belief, like, yes, I can find a way to make this work. Yes, I will find a way to make this work. One thing I like to tell people is like, I have a 20 year old son, but you know, if you have children and your children wouldn't eat tonight, unless you made a sale today, you would make a sale at all costs. <laughs> Even if you had to hold someone gunpoint, you would make a sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And that's where there's this next level of trust and and knowingness and remembering how resilient we actually Mm -hmm. are. I mean, I think back to like times that we can't even imagine like the, the the thirties or yeah, where the the great depression people figured it out. And that's a level of hardship that most of us will never even experience. Right. And they figured it out because we're freaking resilient and I'm tapping into that right now where I'm more resilient than I can even think. And going back to the tip you shared around having a belief that you will be able to double it. For example, like an investment, you mentioned your, your clients sometimes resist buying the next course or investing in a coach where if you truly believe in yourself, then you know that you're going to double that investment if you are consistent with yourself and you trust yourself, which comes back to the worthiness piece is what you're also saying. Yeah. You know, anytime I've invested in a coach, I actually just invested the most amount of money that I've ever invested $42,000 for three months. And anytime I've invested, it's never been about the coach. It's been about, okay, I know that I believe in myself. And if I feel I can learn certain things and tools from this person, I'm going to put myself in the position to learn those tools. And I know that I'm going to get my money back. So it's like, I'm guaranteeing my own results. And if more people believed in themselves and approached anything with that mentality, we, we grow so much further from that. 
Yeah. And I want to tie that back to what you said way earlier about your thought and your intention. That's a very strong intention that you're setting as you're taking action combined. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff. Look at you tying that all. Good job, brain. (laughs) Yeah. So last piece here, and this can be, if you want to share this to, to women specifically or all people, any last words of, of wisdom as we tie things up and package this up? Anything else you want to really share with, with someone specifically? I want to share this with everyone. No matter where you come from, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've gone through, you have more in you than you are giving yourself credit for. And sometimes you just need a friend to remind you of how great you are. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a coach. It doesn't matter, but find people who are going to uplift you. Find people who are going to support your dreams. And while you start believing in yourself, but the biggest thing is not to settle because settling, we prefer familiar hells over unknown heavens. And settling will just lead to regret. Mic drop. <laughs> right back at you. Ah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. And there's a ton of wisdom laid in here that I'm excited to share. So I appreciate your time. And yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing on you and being a demonstration of everything that you talk about and, and speak about and that, that's a huge representation to me of who you are you're not just talking about greatness you are living it and that says a lot so thank, thank you. you i appreciate you and it was so fun chatting you're like a great interviewer <laughs> appreciate that yeah it's a lot of fun for me and i get to to dig into the psyches of amazing people so thank you for the time appreciate it thank you